Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. I'm Ben James and today I'm joined by our rugby writers, Simon Thomas and Andy Howe. Good afternoon, chaps. Afternoon, Ben. Nice to see you in a Christmas spirit with that jumper you've got on. Yes, season's greetings to our <laughs> listeners. It's a, it's a podcast. They can't see the jumper. I can assure everyone at home it is uh, not a Christmas jumper. It's just a normal jumper. Let me just describe it to our listeners. We <laughs> sat we in the office and I've had to put sunglasses on. It's that bright. It's a bit of Val Dunigan like for our older readers. Val Dunigan, there's a, there's a name before my generation. <laughs> uh, so we'll get on to the, uh, the rugby. Uh, you two gentlemen, you've been uh, at an event today with the WIU. Yeah, we have been. It was... Um, Martin Phillips, the chief executive of the Welsh Rugby Union, since he's come in, has been keen on doing, I don't know if they're quarterly or half-yearly, we've had a few of them so far, kind of updates where he meets the media and goes through a, a whole series of issues and uh, you know, it's pretty open, he an- answer any questions that are put there, um, tends initially to sort of um, give a presentation of where things are and he did that today. And Quite it, slick as well. Yeah, it was, you had the old um, overhead projector and the slides and uh, it was, but the vision, and, uh, the, the starting point was very much the vision for professional rugby in Wales in terms of five entities, four regions, and the Wales team, and how they see things moving forward. And it was interesting, they were, he was asked at one point how he sees the relationship between the regions and the WIU, because obviously at times in the past it's, it's not been the most harmonious. And he said it, it's, they're trying to move away from the adult and child relationship, where you're the all-pervasive, all-conquering union telling people what to do, and more of an adult-to-adult conversation, so working together. So that's the aim. But within that, he did lay out criteria about things that the regions have to um, fulfil in terms of um, levels of performance and coaching and revenue generation and working within the region. So it was interesting, but it, you know, I've gone through it and we've, done, we've already done three or four stories from it and there was probably about 15 topics there, so it was certainly very wide-ranging. Yeah, there's been plenty of stuff to come out of it. Um, Andy, we'll just touch on some of it now, I suppose. Yeah, Warren Gatland, I guess, is the headline act, wasn't it? Uh, Northampton, uh, benefactor Keith Barwell, stated clearly... We want to talk to Warren Gatlin about the vacant uh, job at Franklin's uh, Gardens. Uh, and, uh, but Gatlin, of course, is contracted to Wales until the 2019 World Cup. And as WIU today said, uh, hands off. Uh, Gatlin's our coach until the end of the World Cup. So I guess the only way he could leave would be if he chose to resign. I can't see him uh, doing that really. Well, you know, what, what, you know, what would Gatlin prefer? Having to rebuild Northampton Saints? Or having a tilt at the World Cup for Wales, and he's on, of course on a massive salary. It would cost a lot of money to get him up his contract, and I guess you know the pinnacle of the game is international sport, isn't it? Yeah, I, I th- he does sort of. I think the next sort of step for him, I think, is sort of Super Rugby sort of hinted at as well. So maybe that's sort of on his mind, isn't it? Yeah, and I think uh, the bottom line is if Northampton did officially come knocking, even if he did particularly want to do it, I think the union are not of a mind to to let him go ahead of his contract. Uh, term, so I think we can we can say that he won't be marching in with the Saints. Yeah, I think I think you know if if he was wanted to go to a club in England, Northampton would have uh, would appeal to him. Yeah, I think that is his type of uh, type of club. Um, however, Gatland, if Gatland wants to become All Blacks coach, which I suspect he does at some point in the future, the best way of becoming an All Blacks coach is steering Wales to World Cup glory in twenty nineteen. I mean, he's already gone to a quarter-final and a semi-final and uh, they'll fancy their chances again out of the group there. 
It was interesting because a lot of what we heard today from uh, Martin Phillips and Gareth Davis was about the next World Cup and about generating and developing the depth that we need for that tournament. And I, I was taken by the, the stat where he said they want to have five players in every position. With, but, you know, and I presume that means five players they feel are up to t- international rugby. Now, that's a challenge. You've already got four regional teams, isn't it? So but that, that's, that's the key. They, they said that the big thing that they'd taken out of um, the last World Cup was the depth issue, which obviously when they had the, the horrendous injury uh, problems, especially in the back line, did them a bit short, and also finishing, wasn't it? That was the other thing. They, they might have been improving the finishing. Now, that one's a bit finishing, trickier. Yeah, finishing's got worse since the World Cup. Yeah, you know, they've uh, moved away from so-called Warren Ball, or as uh, Gatlin prefers to call it himself, winning ball, to throwing the ball around. How many times have you said that? And, uh, yeah, enough. And uh, their try record, their try count is worse uh, at the moment. But, you know, we uh, so the <coughs> finishing is still a work in progress, but maybe you can't blame the Wales team for that. You've got to blame the setup below it, which brings these players through. Perhaps there should be more emphasis on fixing defences, running straight there, and timing of the pass. On that de- depth issue, which was um, which is clearly something they've talked about a lot. Um, one of the little little bit of information, which nugget, which we came out of us in terms of developing players, they're looking to play an additional match next summer. Now, um, because they, we knew already they were going to Argentina next summer, I think for two tests. Uh, the plan now is to have a game on the week before that, the first weekend in June. Uh, where they'll play a match against in the USA. We don't know who I'm against yet. We were speculating who it might be. We'll have to look who's down that part of the world, whether it'll be one of the, these new developing American professional sides or another country. But the, the point is they'll have three matches, so they'll have, again, an opportunity to blood and develop youngsters because it's pretty clear, isn't it, that some of the, the, the stalwarts, your likes of Alan Wynne Jones, perhaps Dan Big, will be given a rest on that tour, and it'll be very much as the autumn and last summer was, It'll be about developing players, and after that tour, it's really kicking on for the World Cup. Yeah, they did also say they wouldn't be they wouldn't be playing the USA in the states, so maybe they'll play someone like Ireland over there. You never know, you know. Yeah, I think Ireland are in Australia. Next well, they could summer, go that yeah. way, couldn't they? They could go via there. Or maybe they'll play New Zealand, Murray in the states. Who knows? So it could be that. Option could be anyone, couldn't it? Uh, the other stuff to come out is uh, George North. Um, yes, 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 yes. The uh, scarlets have finally come clean. Um, by declaring their interest in George North, they've been rather coy about whether they were in the market to uh, to sign him. Uh, but uh, Martin Phillips, uh, you know, said today that yes, the Scarlets do want to sign him, and because this is a region of origin, they get to talk to North uh, first. And if uh, he says uh, they want him, and he says he wants to go back there, he won't even talk to the other uh, three regions. The deal will be done. Uh, of course, if North and the Scarlets uh, don't like each other, then, then it opens up for uh, it opens up for the other three regions. What we got to bear in mind here is when North left the Scarlets in 2013, he was put on the transfer list uh, allegedly without his knowledge. Sold to Northampton for about two hundred thousand pound, and uh, um, and you know he left there. He wasn't too happy about the situation. But of course, most of that regime of the Scarlets have now left the organisation. So perhaps he's uh, uh, so perhaps he would be willing to go back. It's certainly going to be interested, isn't it? Where he's going to end up? What do you think he'll do? What I think he'll do is I think he, even though he'll talk to the Scarlets first, I think he will insist uh, on talking to the other three regions. And I think whoever gets him gives him the best sales pitch uh, will probably uh, 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 acquire his uh, services. Um, so you could have uh, could all be down to the salesmanship of uh, Steve Tandy at the Ospreys, Wayne Pivot, Scarlet, 
don't know who the Blues coach is, so it could be they might have to call someone in. Uh, um, and uh, Bernard Jackman. And who's the uh, best the, sales, uh, Who's the best salesman there? The Dragons. Well, I, I don't know, do I? Because none of them ever sold. Uh, tried to sell anything to me. I haven't been looking for the TV for a while. Um, so who knows? But uh, what would be interesting to me is the Ospreys. They say North wants to go to the Ospreys. There's already been some disquiet about the number of NDCs on their books, and I'm sure that would be a uh, would create a bit more uh, tension. What do you think? Where do I think he'll go? Oh, and about that NDC issue. Well, I think that won't come into it because they've basically said it's up to him. So if he comes out and says, I want to join the Ospreys, the fact they've got more NDCs than anybody else is, is, becomes kind of irrelevant because that was the kind of way I asked the question of Martin Phillips today. You know, how much influence will you have upon where he goes? And it was pretty clear that it, it'll be up to George. Obviously, we, you know, he's going to seek advice, isn't he? He's going to speak to Gatlin and people like this. I don't know. It's a really tricky one. Do you know why? It, it wouldn't surprise me if he went to the Dragons. The they, they, just, they just recruited Richard Avery, haven't they? Yeah, that's true. You know, it's fascinating. And I think they said they were hoping it would be resolved January, early February time. Yeah. So you'd hope it'd be sorted before lot, the Six Nations. Mind you, if the Ospreys make a bit, you know, carry on their comeback mm. in these next few weeks, things might change a bit. Better. And if yeah. they sign a couple more players in the meantime, they already signed Scott Williams. Was a you know, quite a big pal. Uh, him and George both love their motorsport. Uh, he's already signed to go to the Ospreys. So is Alex <coughs> Davis from the uh, Scarlets. Um, I think it'd be interesting one. I think you know George. I think thinks a lot outside of rugby and all. And will he be uh, interested in the uh, project that's going on at the uh, in Gwent at the Dragons? That might very well appeal to him. Of course, his uh, girlfriend is from Gwent, isn't she? The other question I asked, or one of the questions I asked, was about um, the selection policy and specifically Reese Webb. Now, this was hugely controversial, obviously, what happened there, where it was um, decided that with his move to Toulon, he won't be able to play for Wales um, from next season because he doesn't have the required 60 caps, even though, and this was what upset a lot of people, that, that the, the deal with it, Toulon was announced before the policy was announced. So, uh, you know, presented the opportunity to Martin Phillips to give his thoughts on that, you know, a month, come on, a few months on now, and whether there was any regrets and, and any U-turn. It was quite clear there's not going to be any U-turn. We could see that today, and his attitude was very much that, he felt it had to be like a clear policy with no loopholes, uh, so no get-out clauses, so that it was taken seriously. And they made the decision to do what they did and, and base it on um, the plans that had already been made for next season. And, that, and that's meant that Reese um, won't be playing for us. He, he, he was very honest, Martin, in the sense that he said it was like a heart-and-head decision. You know, he said, I like Reese Webb. I think it's generally agreed that the Wales team is better for him in it, but that was the policy, and that's the policy they've stuck with. So you feel for Reese, um, but it does seem pretty clear that there's not... I can't, well, I can't see any way back from him, really. No, it's fortunate. You know, Wales got quite a few. Uh, the good uh, Scott Mars, Garth Davis, played, re played really well again for the Scarlets last weekend. Ali Davis and I think that uh, Thomas, Thomas Williams, Williams is a coming man. I was very impressed with him against uh, Sales Sharks. What a whip Sale. on his service! Good kicker out of hand, quick, got a bit of vision and awareness. I think he looks good. And of course, Rodri Williams is going uh, to the Dragons on Bristol, and he's a player as well. It was a good prospect. So it's a funny old, uh, funny old world, isn't it? it uh, rugby, the clock keeps uh, ticking. 
Uh, there's no guarantee if Reese Webb stayed in Wales that he would uh, be Wales scrum half come the World Cup anyway. These boys are uh, breathing down his neck. He did see though his quality again last weekend. Oh, he's a good player. Yeah. There's few people. He's a fascinating guy when he's near the line because you know what he's going to do. You know the dummy's going to come at some <laughs> point, works. but he still keeps working for him. Like, and almost, he's almost double double bluffing people sometimes. Quality player. We are where we are with it, I suppose. So if this is almost the final nail in the coffin then for Reese Webb coming back, you know. Do you pick him for the Six Nations? Yeah, I would because I, I, I tell you why I think they will. Um, again, going back because to what, what Philip, today, or Martin yeah. Phillips said today, he said the autumn, the autumn. It was it's always in this national rugby, but balancing winning with development. He said in the autumn because of the seedings and the World Cup places are already secure, they didn't have to worry about that. So it was very much a focus in development. And his own phrase was, you know, so Warren Gatland really went for it. He did use a lot of players. So if you look at it. This year, the South Seas Tour and the Autumn, this focus has been heavily on development and bringing young players through. But Martin Phillips made it very clear that come the Six Nations tournament, the emphasis will be on winning it. So I think you'll see Reese Ware play, and I think you'll see maybe the likes of Bradley Davis coming back in the equation, being good form for the Ospreys yeah, recently. Games. You know, I think he's got a lot yeah. of experience. I know, like two games. No, but I think Bradley. What I'm saying is the reason Bradley, one of the main reasons he wasn't involved in the autumn, because they wanted to look at new youngsters. Nice form. Come on, it was his form. Anyway, what about Luke Charteris? What about Luke Charteris? More to the point, could Charteris come back? His age or not? Possibility. Jake Paul's out injured, so you'd suspect either Charteris or uh, or um, Davis comes back, or maybe uh, both of them. Uh, You can't uh, discount it. I I think Reese Webb. I think he'll definitely miss that tour to Argentina and the US uh, next summer. Uh, because that's when you want someone else to come in as yeah, he's the jersey I think the large chunk of the of the first team will sit out that tour because he, he's going to have to play in the Six Nations because Wales are going to have to do, Wales are going to have to do something to quiet the uh, quiet uh, quiet quiet mm, the uh, discord from the fans and the scribes only some scribes Simon <laughs> well there we go before we uh... Before, before we get on a civil war in the uh, in the boardroom here, we'll uh, move on. Uh, I don't think there's anything else. Is there anything else to come out of the? I mean, the, well, there was the one of the issue, which is the one issue that's actually creating most interest, which was the alcohol issue. That's a very good point. Yeah. Now, now, of course, come after the autumn internationals, there was a lot of talk about the disquiet, about the behaviour of some people inside the stadium and you know, we had police talking about it there's a behaviour of Welsh fans you know um, in terms of the uh, amount of imbibing they do and you have you do hear a lot of stories of people at the stadium fed up and unhappy with people constantly standing up and down either going to get a drink or going to the toilet as a result of having their drink and it's caused a bit of a schism between those people who know that be there and watch the rugby and those people who really wouldn't be there as an, as an extended drinking day and it was interesting Martin Phillips today said well we accept that there are different segments different segments in the community there are those for whom drinking is a big part of the international day and there are those who want to experience a different thing watching the rugby without being disturbed so um, the suggestion the, uh, the idea that they're coming up with it's a good idea by the way good idea um, is to have um, alcohol free zones now we did talk about Glanmore's Gap for people who may know what that means that's the, the section of the staging which is not completed yeah, all the way to us it's on the back of the kind of arms park ground the kind of club ground the two at a section he said well he, he pointed out and he said possibly we could make that the, uh, the alcohol free zone now it would be interesting to see what the take up would be how many people would want to have tickets like that but it's been more family orientated in that area but I think the policy is certainly worth trialling maybe for one of the lesser games in the Auto Internationals next year. By the way, we now know there's going to be four of those again. Um, it's made very clear that uh, if 
financially, they can't just have three, and it didn't well, reveal what the four were, but there are going to be four. Yeah, if there's not a fourth international, basically that will mean less income for the whole game in Wales, whereas the regions, the club games are what, you know, and uh, be quite a, they would be a, a huge money loss, which they can't afford, which could mean, you know, some really tough business decisions if they didn't have the fourth international. I know it's a catch-22 uh Situation myself, I don't like the fourth international, but I can under, fully understand why they've got to have it. It's to finance the pro game in Wales and the club game. Yeah, what, what he was very bold and blunt about it, Martin Phillips. He said, "You either have the fourth game, or we increase ticket prices for the other internationals during the season, or we reduce the money to the clubs." And I know those are going to be particularly popular, is it? So we're going to continue with it. I think next year, as I understand it, I think they've got South Africa and Australia already yeah. nailed down. I think what you'll see is certainly one tier two team yeah. could be like a South Seas side possibly and maybe we'll get Argentina or something like that so so it'll be slightly different scenario it was a really tough autumn this year yeah. the, all the big New Zealand you see don't uh, you know Wales pay start money for that fourth international to South Africa Australia cost about a million pound to get them here to play that extra game New Zealand don't go for that or they haven't uh, in recent years that's what, that's gone for that they yeah. say we don't need it so we're not interested that's in playing why, that extra that's international that's why the New Zealand match uh, collapse this year, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Because of uh, that's why they haven't played for years. Um, because the other options, yeah. as you said earlier, yeah, they, they option, might play Australia, they might play Australia, Australia twice. twice. Oh, so one of those, you know, Australia twice. You could yeah. turn into a two-game uh, series. Ben, you're pulling faces there. Why is that? Well, you know, we got to start beating them. Yeah, but playing Australia twice in one autumn. I think most fans are sick of playing Australia once a year. Well, the other option is barbarians, isn't it? But anyway, you know, England played the Barbarians, didn't <laughs> yeah. they? And they were uh, given a uh, full of South Sea stars, and uh, it was a cracking game. Basically, it was, as I say, a confirmation there is going to be four for the foreseeable future. But they, it was tied in with the whole thing I touched on before about depth. The idea being the more depth you have, the more you're able to rotate your side during the autumn. So the impact on player welfare in terms of during the autumn and then when they go back to the regions is a bit less, you know. And I suppose if you're playing two, two tier two nations or or maybe Argentina and another tier, perhaps you can make more changes that way. Yeah, my point about Argentina is they not such a big draw as in selling a big crowd. You know, they've been off. They, they would perhaps become a bigger draw if they beat Wales next yeah. summer. Uh, I like but your barbarians idea. We haven't played the barbarians for a long time, and I think that would be that would work quite well as an autumn game as the fourth one because it would be a lot less on it, but you'd still get a reasonable crowd. You would hope, yeah. you know. What's next? What's right, next? We'll actually move on to rugby now. Wow. Uh, we'll go on to the Boxing Day games. Uh, we'll start with the Dragons against the Blues next week at the uh, at Rodney Parade. I believe you two are covering that one together. The East uh, Brigade will yes. be out that day watching what, what we hear is uh, probably going to be a seller, Dan. Is it already? Oh, I think it's, it's, they're, they're heading around. towards that way. I believe I think. both games are. Oh, really? Heading towards right. that direction. And the Union again today, right. one of the things they said was that the, the derbies, of, uh, the Christmas derbies have been a big target in terms of you know the regions working to get the sellouts and it seems to be going quite well. And it's going to be a cracking game. Um, because you've got the kind of uh, the, the new pretender in the East against the established Cardiff Blues. Well, Blues established. Well, established <laughs> oh, not in terms of performance, they haven't been established. Established ahead of the Dragons in the pecking order. the touch paper there, uh, well, Yeah, yeah, they've been better and all, but they've been massive and achievers, haven't they? The Blues, they should be the Leinster of Welsh. Again, of course they should. And of course, the Blues now, they've signed uh, the graduate, haven't they? Mr. Robinson. Holly Robinson, he's signed, yeah. He's been a big success there on loan and now he's on a permanent deal so uh, 
Yeah, she was probably too young to understand that reference. I know that's, my, that's what he calls me in the graduate, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that one. I should be a cracking game. Yeah, it's got a big match with the Dragons in it. They got uh, it was a cracking game at uh, Cardiff Arms Park. Dragons led it half time, uh, but they ran out of steam in the second half. Although I personally thought the right was on the wall for them in the first half because the Blues had a lot of that game into the into the wind. Dragons had a couple of spectacular breakout tries. But uh, so the, you know, this is a uh, this match is in its gauge of how far they, how much the Dragons have uh, have they kicked on this season. Uh, it's at Rodney Parade when it's going to be a white hot atmosphere. Yeah. Then it's going to be pretty rabid with the Gwent mob, and um, you know we'll see how the Blues uh, I guess front up to it. And if the Dragons the Dragons pack strong enough to hold the Blues, of course the Dragons now are missing a key man and enough for the next few months in Ollie Griffiths, great prospect, and uh, and Nick Cud is out as uh, has been out as well all season. So they are a bit short open side flanker, lacking a bit of experience well, there. Could be decisive. That's why I think I wouldn't be surprised to see the Blues go with both Navidi and Robinson to mm. try and really take charge of that open side. I mean, Robinson is excellent both sides of the ball. Um, I think they might they go Navidi at six, you know, possibly with... Depends if they want to play a big ball carry at eight. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating selection. They've I got. would play it, but Williams at eight for that game. And you, go, you go Navidi and Robinson yeah, at the flanks. Would, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the other thing is it'd be interesting to see whether Gethin Jenkins comes back or not because again that would add an awful lot at the breakdown area he was due to come back in the rematch against Sale but unfortunately he's had another niggle whether it was his knee or his calf he's only played two games all season you know he's 37 now Geth it's, it gets harder doesn't it and he's struggling to get over these things when's his contract up? I think he's out of contract at the end of this season oh, so what's his future with the, is that it with the Blues? Well, I'm not employed with the Blues and no. <laughs> 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 what would you do? With Gethin? Oh, God, it's really difficult because... Well, I don't know if you want to carry on or not. Yeah, or he's 37, it's a hell of an ass to keep on going. I suppose based, based on the kind of... Arguably Wales' greatest player. I think he probably is Wales' greatest all-time player. Certainly the professional year. You know, at the pro year, yeah. And I think... But based on the fitness issues this year, the amount of games, you'd probably say maybe that is the end of the road, but what a serving if it has been. Absolutely. Uh, you touched on Navidi, he had a massive game. 19 tackles against Sale. It was interesting because I was up at the AJ Bell Stadium the week before and they lost 24-0. And that was one of the top three worst performances I've seen from Welsh region and professionally. I've seen some bad ones. <laughs> Let me tell you, right, in the entire game, they had two line... They're only... They're only uh, attacking moments of note. They had two lineouts in the opposition 22 both of which they messed up and lost the ball. And then I remember one other passage of play where they went through both three phases and it was a run by Ray Lilo and one by Summerhill and that was the end of the game. That was their entire attacking contribution. It was dire and dismal. They they admitted afterwards they let their fans down. They needed to respond in the rematch. And in fairness, they did. I felt sorry for them, yeah. I mean, it's like you say, I was getting paid to be there. But these people were, you know, terrible trouble up through the snow. But, so there was a... There was a you know, it was an absolute prerequisite that there was an improvement. Now, up in Sale, they failed to deal with the conditions, were given a, a lesson on how to deal with the rain and the snow, and uh, they'd been hoping it was going to be dry. Comes our Sunday, it was rain sweeping down the Arms Park. Oh, here we go again. But in fairness, they, well. they learned a lesson from what happened because they did control the conditions. The halfbacks were much um, better in terms of the controlling. Uh, Thomas Thomas Williams, as you said, excellent game. I thought he grabbed Navi- the game most. Yeah, he did. Navidi was excellent. Alex Samuel really showed up well. It wasn't. A, it was. It wasn't a great game, but they delivered in terms of the attitude and physicality and determination. And they saw the game out, and it put them in pole position in the group. 
and has given them a, a boost going into the, the, the Christmas chap, derby. The other chap who impressed in that game was uh, Nipper Matthew Morgan. He's got to try well. He, not, you know, he was in, he obviously made the try and then scored it. it. Was on the end of the afterwards when he moved the ball. Thought he played really well and picked things. And you know, him and Damon McKenzie, they're much the same stature, aren't they? Both good, you know, lightning players and all. And with Matthew, you, you say, oh, sometimes you wonder just if he could sort his defence out. You know, that guy should be playing for Wales. Really, he's such a talent. Yeah, he is. He's a real talent going I forward. I do. Why you still? I would still love to see him. I'm gonna go outside half of the Blues. He's so dangerous in broken play from outside I, I, half. That I, break I, came from the outside half. I personally think he's now found his right position. I think he has settled into full back and he, from broken play, especially on that pitch. massive boot on him as well, mind. He has. I said the other one who, who came through and he hasn't, he's been intermittent in his time with the Blues, but he showed what a difference he can make. It was the ball carrying of Nick Williams. Yeah, but he, he blows out and cold. He does, he does. But what I'm saying and he gets is, away. what I'm saying <laughs> is that when he, when he plays well, the yeah, Blues tend to play well. Yeah. So I think he's got a big part to play now, and it'd be interesting he's to see whether. Part of the Dragons because uh, you know that ball, that's what they need is oomph for yeah. oomph against the Dragons because the Dragons may be a bit lightweight. Yep. Uh, one player who we mentioned earlier has joined the Dragons. Who obviously won't be available for Boxing Day. That's Richard Hibbard. That's, um, that's a good signing. Yeah, after all the transfer rumours you've had the last two weeks. Uh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. That's a really good signing. I mean, okay, he's just about two and thirty-four, but I think he'd be a really good signing. Wales are unlikely to uh, want him. He's a cult figure. I think the fans in Gwent will uh, will love him. And um, you know, he's a uh, player full of big hits, big carries, uh, wins over the fans, popular. He's a really good player. Arguably, been one of the best hookers in the River. Uh, Premiership and also if uh, Elliot Dean now he's been in the Wales squad kicks on as involved with Wales a lot Hibbard will be with the Dragons you will see him all the time so he'll be available won't he so he really gives them some depth uh, during international uh, windows and also his experience you know he's been perfect for bringing on a lot of the youngsters they got the uh, at the Dragons Definitely. in the pack you certainly beef their pack up and I, adding it up as I'll well I'll tell you what was telling was the contrast in Gloucester's response to him leaving to the, the response to Moriarty leaving wasn't mm. it you know, both mm. going to the Dragon yeah. one was a very curt two sentence uh, statement if I remember rightly yeah. and there was fulsome praise you know, from well, fans become a culty he's become a real culty I mean it's unfortunate it has ended like that for Ross you know. the other thing and this is interesting Hibbard actually had another year left on his contract at Gloucester the Dragons have got him out of his contract. There's one for you. Right. Well, they had to pay compensation. I don't know if they paid, but they've got him out of his contract. They might have a couple of other boys as well in their sights who are in contract. That's what they watch out for. Who, who are you thinking of there, huh? I can't say this now. We might tell the competition. It's tantalizing, isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> It's just wonderful Christmas to uh, whet our appetite. We'll move on to the uh, other derby. That's Scarlets against the Ospreys and Parker Scarlets. Um, again, that's that's another that is setting up to be a humdinger. Oh, yeah, match. it certainly is, isn't it? Because I thought Scarlets played really well out in Treviso last weekend. They played much better over there than they did the previous week when they nearly blew it to their European hopes uh, at home against Treviso. I don't believe they were complacent or what. Treviso had a block sent off and the Scarlets went pear shape, but they went over there, didn't they? They employed different tactics. The defence was excellent and he did a fantastic job on Treviso, bonus point win, game was all over in the first half but they kept it going as well, that impressed me, I thought it was a really good performance by the Scarlets. but the Ospreys, they've got themselves some confidence now, they've done a double 
over Northampton again difficult conditions as it was in Cardiff on uh, last Sunday but they got a bonus point and I think uh, and they've got a lot of people back Dimitri Arip coming back scrummaging wise yes don't underestimate how important he is Dan Lydiot has found some form Bradley Davis has found his best form since he joined the Ospreys from uh, Tipperick fit from again Tipperick uh, fit again um, and Reece Webb we mentioned Reece Webb playing well Sam Davis got a bit of confidence uh, back Owen Watkins looks a really good player so who plays and at Dan 10 a fair. who plays at 10 for the Ospreys against the Scarlets oh that's a big call on there well Sam Davis has been playing that well and Big is leaving at the end of the season so and the Ospreys where they are on the table unlikely to qualify for A the Champions Cup and or the Pro 14 playoffs so I'd be tempted to persevere or carry on with Sam Davis I think if you leave him out, it might undermine his uh, his uh, confidence. I think he's a confidence player. The interesting thing for me is, like, probably two, three weeks ago, you were looking at this Boxing Day fixtures on Park Sky. I said, that could be a tough old day for the Ospreys. But in fair, I mean, it could still be a hard challenge. Hey. But with the way they've turned things around the last couple gonna of weeks. I'm going to put my cards on the line immediately before you jump in here, and I'm going to tip the Ospreys to win both their Christmas New Year derbies. At the Scarlets and at the Dragons. Who would have thought, you know, after the first two... they've got the players back, big who, pack now. Who would have thought after the first two weekends of Europe that you'd be looking at a situation now where if the Scarlets and the Ospreys win their remaining fixtures, there's a very good chance both of them will go through to the quarterfinals. It's, it's, really? it's incredible, really. Shows the value of the bonus point in defeat because even if you're losing and you pick him up I think the Scarlet's got five bonus points you know so even though they're only won two and uh, Toulon and Bath have won three they're only a point behind them and if they win their last two games they're pretty much there so both teams are coming the bottom line is both teams are going into this derby match should, Boxing Day on a bit of a, on a bit of a buzz and a rise and I think what's telling for me is that there's been a lot of talk in England because they've had a very you know desperate last couple of rounds in Europe and the old excuses have been coming out a little bit yeah, and it's been like it's been all about oh you know the impact you know it's been hard for them to sort of step from international rugby to the club game well what else is players that they go straight from the international into Europe well, Ireland. and well, no Ireland at a week off in, in terms of the international they didn't have a fourth autumn oh, think, yeah. but the point is that the Welsh players who've gone back you look at Navidi you look at Alan Wynne-Jones these people have gone straight the thing you feel how are they going to be able to gel well they've, they've stepped back and almost continued international form and again, how, how Alan Wynne Jones does it I just don't know of, of the Scarlet specifically you had the players coming back from the autumn and then the rest of the squad which is coming back from South Africa yeah. ahead of the Benetton game they're quite hardened. I tell you, one who's impressed me the last, well, since he's arrived, but especially the last, because this boy Asquith in the yep. centre. I think he's a real talent. He is. He's you know. played sevens, and most boys who play sevens got talent. You know, he, he actually scored the try, didn't he? That got mm. him out of jail yeah, against Treviso, and he's looked good. It's interesting now when everyone's fit down there in the centre. You can see in a way why perhaps letting Scott Williams go is something they could they could live with <coughs> to a certain extent, isn't it? Because they've got Asquith, they've got Hadley Parkinson next season, Jonathan Davis back as well. Only got some good young boys coming through. Yeah, so I think it's a really. I mean, I, I, you still, in theory, you know, Scarlets are top of their conference and the Ospreys are bottom of theirs. That means nothing, it's a derby. Plus, the Ospreys are going there with a big pack. You know, the Ospreys are going to try. And Scarlets, they do miss Jake Ball. You know, he's the heavyweight in the pack, big ball carrier, it's people and all, etc. Makes him a bit more lightweight. The Ospreys will try and do a number. Do you know who else I think has, has played well? Is the old Lion King, Scott Baldwin. I think the last couple of weeks, he's yes. really he's really come back to he's some certainly form. He's starting to take a bite out of the opposition. <laughs> now, if you look at Bradley, if you look at Bradley, our hip, 
Alan Wynne Jones, Bolton. He's a big man, you know, big men in the front five. And there, there has been with the Scarlets, perhaps especially with, with Samson Lee One area is question like Bath in a big physical game in the rain. They get they 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 struggled. I think Ulster as well. When they played Ulster away this season, they lost. Ulster took them on physically, made it a very narrow game. I think that's the way the Ospreys look to play, isn't it? Maybe they bigger. The last time they played was at the Liberty, wasn't it? And and. The Ospreys came in with the same yeah, thing. They, you know, they put Corey yeah. Allen on the wing. They went, let's just put the big men. But the problem back then was the confidence. They just didn't have the conviction. Mm. Now, after those two wins against Northampton, they look like they have the conviction in what they're doing. On the playing as well. I mean, Dan yeah. Evans in particular. Dan Evans has got is he six tries in Europe already this season. It's ridiculous. You know, he's playing so yeah. well. And then we come back to that old debate again, don't we? But I think the, any any ideas of having Sam Davis at fifteen and Dan Evans in the wing that's gone now, isn't it? Because Dan Evans at fullback is such a weapon for them. Everywhere, everything he does. Although Tandy did go to that at the end. Um, what did he the, last tw- the last twenty minutes he went in Northampton. Do you think he, he might? Did, he, did switch, I hope he did switch. He did switch to Sam. I hope he does. I hope he does. I hope he does. I hope he does. I'm hoping that was more injury enforced. You know, you know what is he doing? That, that, you know, <laughs> what is he doing? That's the sort of thing that undermines players' confidence, isn't it? You know, if they, if they you know, Dan Evans. If you're picking a Wales squad today, Dan Evans should be in it. Simple as he's been there. Uh, somebody I see somewhere. I think on a website, somebody compared him to Lee Burnangles are running, etc., etc. And that's right, isn't it? He has got a lot of similarities in that. I don't argue with that. Yeah. And obviously the other one in that similar kind of category, uh, kind of ignored by Wills, Cubbyway, James Davis, him being back fit, well, that's week. a big factor. Um, the battle between him and Tipperick, if they hopefully they'll both start, that's a mouth-watering one over the ball and in the wide channels. There's a lot of interesting contests. Patchell maybe against Bigger could be. I mean, Patchell, is Patch back? Well What's Patch's situation now? Back, he had a concussion issue, wasn't it? I'm not sure. Yeah, well, but but I'm Barkley, was he? Barkley. He's yeah, such a good player. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, Dan Jones started last week, and then yeah, Asquith, 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 Asquith yeah. Yeah. as well. So that was out with the knock last week. So uh, the selections for this game are going to be fascinating. You know, where does Tad Byrne play? You know, because he, he can he, play anywhere. That guy, he's a good player. You know, do they maybe look to play him in the second row and go for a bigger background? It's well, interesting. We've got Barkley back, James Davis, and Will uh, Boyd. Will Boyd, he's a good player. And he could play Barkley eight. Yeah. He could play Boyd six, Davis seven. I mean, yeah, I know Andy's saying that you know form goes out the window, you know, or league form or whatever. But you'd still think with the Scarlets' home advantage, you'd still expect them to win. No, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I said, I said one would. I don't think it'd be a lot. <laughs> one would. I don't think it'd be a lot. <laughs> I wasn't speaking for you. There we go. <laughs> what better way to? Uh, to hey, up? let's have a prediction. We have prediction. We're gonna. Oh, sorry, Ben. We're gonna get to the predictions now. We're just gonna say what, what better way to wrap up. The uh, Christmas podcast, and you two disagreeing on something, and then we'll go to the predictions. Are we? Are we going to be talking about the other Christmas games later on? Or should we do those as no, well? We do, next do those week. next week. I believe. Uh, yeah, we'll probably do another one. Some of you have drawn the short straw to do the podcast. Um, I think. <laughs> I think the Dragons will beat the Blues. I just think it'll be as Andy said, white hot down there. It, it wasn't a lot between them for like fifty-five minutes, sixty yeah. minutes at the Arms Park, and I think probably the Dragons have moved on a little bit since then. This is this is a real. People have said who've they beaten yet, you know, and what have they done yet? There's a lot of hype, you know, a lot of stories, but Wade Cooper and people like this, right? Let's see some tangible results. Don't point Wade Cooper at me. That wasn't my story. Stress, Alan. My story was Nakawara. Who's already signed for Racing? Isn't he hasn't signed. He hasn't actually. See, let's nail that one to the floor right here, right now. He is not, as it stands, signed for Racing. There we go. Um, 
Like, I'm your, prediction, <laughs> your prediction. My right prediction is. is Blues to win that game if they turn up. Well, if they turn up. Which means, like, physically. If they, actually, turn up, if they didn't turn up a sale, did they? They did not, no. If they turn up on a field and produce their best form, I think they'll have a bit too. They'll have just slightly That's quite too much good. For the disagreeing dragons. on both games. So I'm going for a Scarlet's win, and yeah. you're going for a. Blues, was it? No, oh, Ospreys. 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 <laughs> yeah, going the opposite for you, I don't want to say. I don't agree with you over Christmas. That's a, that's a nice uh, note to end it on, I think, isn't it? Yes. Uh, we'll uh, leave it there. Uh, you can catch all the latest news and uh, coverage of the Boxing Day derbies on Wales Online.